Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. With regards to the bike, he said, I'm not giving an explanation to this. When he was asked about his DNA being underneath Ashley Murphy's fingernails after he said that he didn't know her or had contact with her, again, he said, I will not comment on that. He was then told that by saying no comment to this guard, he would believe that he was failing to account for the DNA and for the bike. Again, he said, no, I don't wish to comment. Then he signed this interview. And it was at this point that the prosecution rested their case. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Joseph Puska, who was on trial accused of murdering Ashling Murphy in 2022, took to the stand today in his own defence. As the prosecution rested their case, the court took a 15-minute recess after which the defendant stepped into the spotlight of the court and into the witness stand. Today, I'm talking to Crime World's Claude Amini about what unfolded in court today and what's next in the trial. I'm Niall Donald, and this is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So, Claude, Joseph Puska took to the stand today. Joseph Puska is obviously charged with the murder of Ashling Murphy, a charge he has denied. The prosecution rested their case, and the defence instantly called Joseph Puska to the stand. Obviously, any any uh, defence defending a murder charge can bring the person charged to the stand. It doesn't always happen, but it has happened in this case. Obviously, there was an, um, an interpreter throughout, so he, he didn't speak any English, did he, Claudia? Um, no. So during this, um, when he was on the stand today, he was only on the stand for about 25 minutes. They called him to the stand pretty much near the end of the court day, which is four o'clock. Um, the interpreter was sworn, who, you know, spoke on Joseph Puska's behalf. Um, as part of the, that being sworn in, Joseph Puska also had to be sworn in and he took an oath on the Bible. So they're given the option of, of the Bible or kind of another oath um, if you're not religious. Um, and then he swore as well that his evidence to the court and jury will be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and he was told then by Mr. Bowman, sort of defence, um, that he was going to ask Joseph Puska to recall the events uh, as it was his story to tell. So obviously he comes towards the end of the day. 25 minutes is a very short time in a court of law because they things come very, very slowly. So 
really what you'll see is the defense will bring him through his, you know, what uh, stuff that they have, you know, prepared or just the, the details of the day. And that could take a period of time. And then at some point, he presumably will be cross-examined. So did he start off Joseph Puska? He gave a bit of background about himself. Um, he was asked about when he came to Ireland and, and things of that nature. Yeah, so we learned a lot about Joseph Puskas today between not only him being on the stand, but also from Detective Garda Colon O'Leary, who we'll go into later, who was kind of went through the statements and the interviews that Joseph Puska gave in the Garda station. But when he was on the stand, he said that he came from Slovakia. He's 33. He was born in May of 1990 and he moved to Ireland in 2013. Uh, he moved to the home in Mukla in Lanali Grove in 2020. He was asked about the day of January 12th, 2022, when he left his home. And we started about 11.30am that morning. Joseph Puska says he travelled from his home in Mukla into Tullamore Town. Uh, during this, he's going through the sort of the CCTV stills and where he's seen on CCTV. So this is pinpointing Joseph Puska's day. So he's shown a map of Lanali Grove where was his home before he arrest, where he was arrested and he confirmed that he previously lived there. Um, Bowman said that he was going to ask him for some assistance on the route of how he got into town and where he was picked up on CCTV. Joseph Puska said that he would try. He didn't know the names of the streets, but he was going to help um, the defence. Uh, so on that day, he left his home and travelled towards the school. At this point, he went through two different roundabouts towards the centre. He went down Charleville Road and where he said he passed a city council building. He went past the train station then towards Cormac Road. He said he was trying to find his brother, so he doesn't exactly remember where he was going after that. Um, when asked by Michael Bowman where wh why he was trying to find his brother, he said that his brother had gone to the dentist on his own bike, so he was trying to find his brother's car, which is why he says he was spotted in some locations on, you know, multiple occasions, so more than just once. At this point then, he says he went by Tesco and the shopping centre, which I believe is outside Tullamore a little bit. He then got into Tullamore Town at around 12.15pm, um, but he he wasn't sure exactly what time it was as he wasn't wearing a watch. He also was asked if he accepted that it was him that was seen on the CCTV at various stages throughout the town to which he agreed it was him. At this point, he was then asked to describe his bike, um, one that we are very familiar with at this point. It's a dark black push bike with a green front named Falcon Storm. He's shown a picture of the bike. Now, this picture of the bike has been on the witness stand for the entire trial, kind of in a booklet of photographs. So he was asked to look at that one and he agreed that, yes, that was his bike. Um, he asked then if he remembered going to a park in Tullamore, to which he says he doesn't remember, but he possibly did and he might have stayed there for a few minutes. Then we go to a woman walking a dog on Church Street and he was asked if he remembered this woman and he said yes and we now know this woman um, is Anne-Marie Kelly. She is a um, primary school teacher who went on the stand earlier in the trial to say that she felt like Joseph Puska was following her. Um, at this point he continued towards McDonald's and he overtook this woman with the dog, Anne-Marie Kelly, and went on towards the canal car park. He passed the car park, he said, and ended up on a grassy area, which he then went towards onto the bridge. Um, he said that at this point he was pushing his bike and he had lit a cigarette. Uh, Bowman then, you know, reaffirms to him that this is Anne-Marie Kelly, to we, which Joseph Puska says, yes, he now knows that this is her name. And he is told then that this woman was of the opinion that she was being followed by Joseph Puska, to which he says that that wasn't his intention, not at all. He said that he was behind her riding in the same direction, but he had no bad intention and had no intention to follow anybody that day.
So that 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 probably took the 25 minutes, was it? It was it's probably even slower when somebody has to ask a question and then for an interpreter to speak it twice. So Mr. Puska's evidence could take a considerable period of time. Yeah, it'll probably take twice as long. I mean, by the time the question is asked by the prosecution, it's translated to Joseph Puska. Uh, then he gives his answer back to the translator who has to translate it into English and back to the court. It's going to probably take twice as much because obviously each thing has been said twice as many times. So we did only get 25 minutes today. Um, it wasn't, we didn't get very far in. The court is due to resume again tomorrow morning at half 10. So it's at that point we assume, obviously we will continue hearing Joseph Puska's account of that day. Um, and then it will go into cross-examination. Of course, because he's on the stand, it means that the, the prosecution are allowed to ask him any questions they like. Okay. And so earlier on, Claudia, there was, there was a, a series of people gave evidence before Mr. Puska took to the stand. Um, in particular, we heard details of a number of interviews um, that Gardy had with Mr. Puska. Uh, these are formal interviews. Obviously, during the during the previous evidence, we've heard of of conversations Gardy had with Mr. Puska while he was in hospital. These interviews that were detailed today, they obviously came in the aftermath of these conversations. Um, I think there was four interviews in total, was there? There was five interviews in total. So five there was, interviews, yeah, yeah. So we had those two that happened in the hospital, which we've um, detailed before. But there was four more that took place in the Garda station on the 18th of 19th of January after Joseph Puska was arrested. So they had him in custody for uh, a period, a maximum period of 24 hours. And then, of course, you know, that was extended by another eight because he's allowed to rest from 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. So this happened over the course of the of those two days, there was there was five interviews. So the first one happened at around 4pm on January the 18th. So at first of all, when he got to the police station, he was able to consult with a solicitor. He was seen by a doctor then and deemed fit to interview. So that first interview happened then at about five to four. At this point, now this is the same for every single interview. He's cautioned um, and he was he's told that it's going to be recorded. He's asked if he understands the caution and he signs it. So that happens in every single one of these um, interviews. Uh, for this first one, it's Garda Shane Jennings who's there along with Joseph Puska's solicitor and an interpreter. At this point, he's asked his name and address and date of birth um, and he was reiterated to him that he was arrested at 11.31am on that day for the murder of Ashley Murphy and he was asked if he understood, to which he said yes. At this point then, he was asked if he knew Ashing Murphy. He said no. He was then asked where he came from and, and of what age. He said that he came to Ireland when he was 23, so about 10 years ago. He didn't finish secondary school, but he was, and after that, he went to Bratislava in Czech Republic before he came to Ireland. At first, he lived in Dublin, in Dublin 1, and then in 2015, he moved to Tullamore. Describing his upbringing then in Slovakia, he said that he came from a small village, but he had a good circle of friends and, his, and a good family. The guards then went on to ask about his current life. So they asked him a little bit about his relationship with his children, to which he said he has a beautiful relationship with them. He loves them and they love him and they understand one another. Um, he also revealed during the interview that he had two brothers, which we've heard before, and he also um, has no sisters. He said he was working up until recently, till he had an accident and he slipped a disc, so he has a problem with the back. He can't play sports with his kids anymore. Um, he takes regular painkillers to the back pain uh, because of this as well. He doesn't drive, so he usually takes a taxi or the bus. Then he was asked a little bit about what he does with his day usually. So he says that he normally spends his days doing housework and looking after the children. So he normally gets up in the morning and brings them to school. Uh, on this particular day, the 12th of January, he got up around 7am and brought the children to school for 20 past nine. He has five kids. So while the older children are at school, 
school. He takes care of the younger ones. Now his younger, his youngest child at the time uh, of this in January 2022 was only 10 months old. At this point then, the guardie went into what happened to Ashley Murphy and he was asked about what happened, to which he said... He doesn't know. Uh, at this point, again, this is something that's going to happen in every interview. The interview notes are read back to him. He was asked if he wanted to make any changes or add anything to which he said no. And then he then signed it. Yeah. So then there's presumably a break and they come back uh, for a second interview. And probably at this point they go, they speak more about the Ashley Murphy case. And he's asked, um, did he know anything about it? And had he, had he even read about the case? Yeah, so at this point then, it was around half seven that evening, he was brought back in. At this point, he was shown pictures of his hands that was taken in St. James's Hospital. So when the Gardaí uh, from Crumlin literally went to see him in St. James's Hospital, they took photographs of his hands because he had scratches on them. So he was shown a photo of this and he said he didn't remember that picture being taken. Uh, he was asked again about the murder of Ashley Murphy and he said he didn't know anything about it. And when he asked uh, was asked if he had read anything about it, he said no. He was then shown a picture of Ashing Murphy, to which he said he didn't see her that day. He doesn't know her. And again, he's told by Gardy that this is his chance to say anything, to which he said that he didn't know anything. He said that that picture is the first time that he ever saw Ashing Murphy. And after Garda asked him about where he was that day, they asked, uh, you know where you were that day? You're telling me you don't know Ashing Murphy was brutally murdered on the 12th of January 2022. You know, he, he didn't respond to that. There was, you know, again, science's interview and he takes another break. At this point then, there's another short break where he takes a consultation with a solicitor and a second set of fingerprints are taken. At this point, he finds out his detention has been extended by 12 hours. So this is at 11.15 at night. So he's then given a rest until the following morning. Yeah, so they come back to him again the next morning and there's a, another subsequent interview. Um, at this point, then he's again going given cautioned. And then at this point, he's um, he's he's shown some CCTV, I think, and he's he's taken through uh, some of the, the, the locations that are that the police believe are relevant to the murder. Yeah, so he was told then he'd be so shown some of the CCTV and he was asked um, why he didn't have his phone with him at, that day. And he said that he left it at home charging. He was shown a man on Tullamore Main Street at about 10 to 1 on the 12th of January. And he confirmed that that was him. He was shown a map and he pointed out exactly the location of where, you know, that CCTV still image was from. Um, and he confirmed that he knew a, a number of locations that he was pointed out to him by Gardy, and he confirmed that it was him in all those different CCTV stills. He was again shown a photograph of Ashley Murphy and he said he doesn't know her. He'd never seen her and he didn't recognise her. Asked if he had any contact with her. Again, he said no and asked if he had any contact with her specifically on the day of January 12th. He once again said no. He was then shown a picture of that Falcon Storm bike again that has come through this um, trial time and time again that was find, found at the scene um, and then he was shown a picture of him on the bike on Main Street that day and asked if he's seen the similarities between himself and his bike uh, and the CCTV still image to which he said yes there was a phone a Samsung phone shown to him and he said that he had a phone like that he agreed that he did and then he asked if he knew what DNA was and if he st- understood um, the scientific principle of DNA which was that every contact leaves a trace to which he just responded Okay, he was asked again, did he understand the significance of DNA in a murder investigation to which he said he did? And he was asked if he wanted to change or add anything to his statement. He said no. At this again, it was it was signed by Joseph Puska. So then there's another break. He comes back, I think, at quarter to two or so. And then 
they discuss kind of what was said by Joseph Puskas in the hospital at an earlier point and the, the guards discussed that with him. Yeah, so he was asked about his meeting with Gardy from Berlantridstown and Crumlin in St. James's Hospital, to which he said he couldn't remember it. Um, they then told Joseph Puska that Ashley Murphy had been stabbed in the neck 11 times and murdered, to which he, he just said he understood. Um, he said he didn't remember that particular meeting in the hospital. Uh, he was once again asked about DNA. So this time they um, asked if he understood that DNA was taken from him at that time in the hospital um, and said that they have a huge amount of evidence which connected him to the crime. And he asked if he accepted that, to which he said no. He was asked then about the hospital and the meeting. And again, he said he didn't remember much as he had taken, as he had surgery and had taken many tablets. He was then told about the DNA that they had, as well as Ashley Murphy's post-mortem. He was then told that they knew that Ashley Murphy had fought for her life because of the injuries that she had sustained in her hands, so the self-defence injuries. And they also told him that human tissue that didn't belong to her was found underneath her fingernails. And he said again that he understood that. It was put to him that he had followed Anne-Marie Kelly at this point. And he said, um, because, you know, he had previously, he had cycled past her. Um, so at this at this time in his interview, he, he asked, um, how is he following her if he just passed her? So this was, again, him watching back that CCTV. Joseph Puska was then told that he had told Gardy in hospital that he did it, to which he said he didn't remember saying that after the surgery and noted that the person having the conversation with him must have noticed that he had just been out of surgery. He asked if he wanted to tell them anything. And again, he said no. At this point, um, himself and his solicitors were given uh, a list of questions and he was told that he was going to be asked about the bicycle and he had to account for the bicycle being at the scene to account for the scrapes on the marks on him as well as the DNA underneath Ashley Murphy's fingernails. And he was told he was going to be asked about his presence at Grand Canal Way at about 25 past three where Ashing Murphy was discovered on January 12th, 2022. So then at seven minutes to six, then the fifth and final interview took place. And at this point, the guards explained to him that he can't be convicted on an inference alone. And they asked him again about, about the issues that they highlighted that they were going to speak to him about. Yeah, so they went through the kind of the list of questions that they had given him and his solicitor to look through. So at this point, he was told that his bike, that the bike that was found at the crime scene could be linked to him forensically. And he was seen on it on CCTV around different parts of Tullamore around the murder. He was told that if he failed or refused to give us an account for any of these things, um, that it can be used to support evidence put against him, to which he said he understood. Um, so with regards to the bike, he said, I'm not giving an explanation to this. Um, when he was asked about his DNA being underneath Ashing Murphy's fingernails after he stated he didn't know her or had contact with her. Again, he was told if he failed or refused to give an account for the DNA, it could be used to support other evidence put against him. And again, he said, I will not comment on that. He was then told that by saying no to this, no comment to this guard, he would believe that he was failing to account for the DNA and for the bike. Um, and Joseph Puska said he understood. He was then asked to account for the scratch marks on his hands and forehead seen on the day after Ashing Murphy was killed, to which he said, I will not comment on that. Asked to account for his presence in the Tullamore area, he said, I will not comment on that. And when asked to, sorry, when asked to account for his presence at Grand Canal Way on the 12th of January 2022 at 15.24, where the murdered body of Ashing Murphy was found, to which he was told he was linked to this location forensically through not only his bike, but through Ashing Murphy, the, the scraping underneath Ashing Murphy's fingernails. He once again said, I do not want to comment on that, no. So then he was told if he was aware of any fact that he failed to mention that he may later reply, 
on in his defense that he should that he may relate or rely on in his defense. He may should mention it now. Again, he said, no, I don't wish to comment. At this point, then he signed this interview and the interview concluded. And it was at this point that the prosecution rested their case. Okay, and that so that that's that's the full extent of the interviews. And now obviously we'll hear from him directly on the stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, earlier there was there was some evidence given from from um from a senior analyst that really just filled out more of the picture um, in regards to CCTV. And then we did have one other uh, interesting development where Superintendent Patrick O'Callaghan um, also gave evidence about a man who had emailed in to the Gardaí confessing to the murder effectively. Could you tell us a bit about that? It was uh, an unusual development, I suppose. It was an interesting and unusual development. I mean, we heard already that there was a man, a Romanian man, who had been arrested for the murder. But there was another um, man then. He actually emailed into the Garda Press office with an email in the subject line was Ashing Murphy. And the email said, I'm the person responsible for Ashing Murphy's murder. Now, this man um, was then interviewed by Gardy and Gardy were able to confirm that it was this man who had sent the so-called confession in. The person, when they were interviewed, said that he had no recollection of sending the email. He explained that he had ADHD. He drank to intoxication and he took antidepressants. So he's, you know, he drank to intoxication, I assume, on, on a regular occasion. Um, but on this occasion, he said that he must have been drunk when it happened. So he apologised. The superintendent said that Gardy were satisfied with that explanation from the man. He also told the prosecution that the man described himself as an idiot and he said he was very sorry that he didn't murder her and he also added, I hope this doesn't cause any trouble, um, which could have. The superintendent then said that this, he was satisfied that this man had nothing to do with the death and that this man unfortunately had some mental health issues. Um, And then regards to the Romanian man that had been arrested, the superintendent said he was also satisfied that that man was not near the canal at the time of Ashley Murphy's murder. So, I mean, not not uncommon, unfortunately, in these high-profile cases. So, we had a, an, an estimated time, but I think this is all going to be pushed back and the case will go on much longer. But we'll be back in to follow it tomorrow morning as Joseph Puska takes to the stand again. Absolutely. So thanks, Clodagh. Thanks very much, Niall. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodagh Meany. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.